Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Heart Podcast. This is being recorded live at the British Cardiovascular Society meeting in Manchester, and I'm delighted to be joined by the Editor-in-Chief of Heart, Professor Catherine Otto. Catherine, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Catherine, I really wanted to sit down with you for an extended podcast to talk about behind the scenes at Heart, at the journal itself, and things like what happens to your paper when you push submit on the website. Perhaps we can start off by explaining the purpose of a journal in a broadest sense. Yeah, I think that's really where we need to start because, you know, these days you can put your research in many different formats. And the, the purpose of a journal is really a link between the authors and the readers. And so, you know, what determines what papers are accepted into a journal is to a large extent the scope of the journal. You know, what... Who are the readers of this journal? What are, what are their interests? What's the scope? And the same for authors. Authors send their papers to journals that publish similar types of research. And so, for example, Heart is a journal that publishes clinical cardiology research that has you know, more immediate impact rather than super specialized or technical type papers. And so in that, it's different than some of the other journals you might consider. It's really general cardiology, clinical, and uh, interest to clinical cardiologists. And when it comes to talking about the structure of a journal, Catherine, we have the editorial side, which you head up, and then we also have the publisher side. And those are two closely linked but slightly separate divisions of the journal. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you manage your editorial side and putting together an editorial board, etc.? I think that Heart is unusual compared to many other journals in that the two are actually very closely linked. You know, Heart is jointly owned by the British Cardiovascular Society and the BMJ Publishing. And the two are really aligned very closely so that we have the same staff and the same office working on both sides. So it works out very well. We have the same objectives. We're not in, in conflict with, this, say, a more commercial-type publisher. And, but on the editorial side, we really have complete editorial independence. You know, the British Cardiovascular Society chooses the editor, who then chooses the editorial team, and there's no restrictions on what the editor does. The BMJ Publishing, on the other hand, really sets the policies for publishing, you know, things like, you know, how is a, a journal for, formatted, you know, how many pages can we have, you know, how what are the requirements for ethics approval, and all the different policies of the BMJ, which is actually wonderful. You've got this huge publishing um, uh, establishment with a lot of resources for any at things that might come up during the publishing process. Because the BMJ, of course, or the BMJ family is is quite large, right? It encompasses, I think, over 20 journals now. Well, actually, it has the so B, the BMJ is the BMJ, and then BMJ Publishing has over 60 journals. And you know, in terms of editorial support, you know, besides the day to day, we have a retreat every uh, March with the, for about three days in London, where the editors of all 60 journals get together, and we talk about issues about you know what what are new new uh, parameters in publishing, what do we do about ethics, what are research checklists, how to how to best present your data, you know, all kinds of aspects of publishing that as different editors of different types of journals, we really learn from each other. And you're based in Seattle in the west of the US and the BMJ publishing is based in the middle of London. How do you square that circle? 
Well, there's this thing called the internet, and you know, I, I'm in Seattle, they're in London, my editorial team is all around the world, and we work pretty much online, non-real time. So we use the, the web format, the, the platform that we have to communicate to the same area where, where an author submits a paper is where we as editors can communicate about that paper and keep track of all of our communications in one place. Um, and the same with the publishing team. They're there. You know, if we need to, we can have a, a Skype call or a phone call, but mostly we do everything online. And Catherine, once a author pushes that magic submit button on the Heart website to send their precious research to you, what's the kind of journey the paper goes through once that happens? You know, the first step is an, an editorial assistant just looks at the what's been submitted to make sure all the elements are there. And we've tried to simplify that as much as possible. You you can only simplify it so much, but we've, we've tried to make it, you know, I know that all submission sites are kind of onerous and there's a lot of boxes to fill out and, and things to, to insert, but we've tried to make it as simple as possible. But you do have to be within close to the parameters of what we require for a submission in terms of the directions to authors, in terms of length and elements that need to be there. We do give some leeway at that point. Um, and at that point, once the editorial assistant said, said everything's there, it gets sent to the editor-in-chief. And as the editor-in-chief, I then decide, you know, where should this paper go? And the first decision is really, you know, is this a paper that we might ultimately publish in Heart? Does this fit the scope of Heart? Is this a type of paper we publish? Is it likely to be of high enough priority? And we actually at that point reject about 50% without review, not because they're not necessarily good papers, but because they aren't going to get published in heart because of the scope of heart and the topic of the paper. So the intent of that is to be is to help authors, is to say, you know, the paper comes in, we can see that it's not going to fit with heart, let's get it back to the authors so they can submit it to a different journal without delay. And so that decision is often made within one to three days, very, very quickly. And assuming that an author is in the, should we say, the, the good 50% and they make it through to the next stage, how do you go about choosing who's going to review the paper? So at that stage, if it looks like it is something that we might ultimately publish in heart, it's assigned to an associate editor, and there's a team of about 12 associate editors with different areas of expertise. So the paper is usually assigned to the associate editor who has the most expertise in that topic, who then looks at it and again, you know, decides, you know, uh, what is the the quality of this paper, what is this, the question being asked, is this going to be of interest to heart? And then that person uh, sends it out for external review. And, and most papers from my uh, use of the heart system are reviewed by two reviewers initially, sometimes three, but often two. And then they'll come back to you with an initial decision. How does things move from there? Yeah, and the, the two reviewers is our goal. We found that, you know, people are very busy in academics, so when, when we ask reviewers, not everybody can do it. So we'll often ask, you know, as four or so at the first initial uh, request, and so sometimes we do get more than two reviews back. Sometimes we get less than two reviews, even though we, we try hard. Because if, if those initial reviewers don't say yes or don't reply, which is even worse, you know, the system sits and waits for them to reply and, do, and, then, and then goes on and asks more people. But that adds weeks to the review process every time we have to wait for someone to reply, are they going to review or not? 
So the reviews come back, and at that point, the associate editor carefully looks at the reviews, looks at the paper, reads the paper, and says, uh, you know, makes a decision, is, does this paper, you know, look like we would like to go forward with it based upon those reviews? And if it looks like it should go forward, we then send a revision to the author. So the associate editor sends their decision to me. I look at it very carefully as well. And if everything make, is straightforward, you know, the reviewer said we should, should go on to revision, the associate editor agrees, I agree, we all agree, it's a very straightforward decision. If there's some controversy, you know, is a little bit of ambivalence, then we might get a, additional associate editors involved and have a discussion by email. We have chosen as a journal kind of in a, in a different way as to not have weekly conference calls or face-to-face -face meetings. Because as I said, everyone is all around the world. And if we try to pick a time, it's going to be very inconvenient for people. And the time on those calls, although it's, it's interesting and we have great discussions, does not really change the decision about whether to go forward with the paper. So we try to focus our attention on our, to do it on our own time, take our time looking at the um, paper and not spend time talking on the phone. And is there ever any point in an author respectfully disagreeing with a reviewer's viewpoint if they think that the reviewer hasn't read it carefully or didn't understand a part of the paper? Do you kind of take that into account as well? I mean, absolutely. I mean, we can't, you know, totally judge whether every reviewer's comments are all appropriate or, or relevant. And, and sometimes, you know, you can't answer their question. You don't have the data or it's not possible to do. So when it's sent back as revision addressing the reviewer comments, it is a, totally appropriate in the, in the re response to the reviewers to say that we didn't address this one because of this and this and this and give the rationale. On the other hand, if you if the authors do that for every single comment, it comes across a little bit like they didn't really pay attention or try. You know, it's okay to do that for some comments, but you can't really do it for all of them. We do expect to see changes in the manuscript itself. And I think authors should keep in mind if, you know, if a reviewer says, this wasn't, you know, I didn't see this or I didn't see that, and the author thinks it's there, apparently it's not clear enough. So, you should, so the re wording should be revised or it should be presented in a different way because even though the author thinks they've done it, the reviewers can't see it. So, so take those comments, you know, not you know, as antagonistic, but as an area for clarification. And is there any point in appealing a final uh, rejection letter from Hart if, if one happens to come along, if you haven't been able to address the reviewer's comments, for example? So I think the you know a rejection letter you know appeal uh, in the rare case of an actual error where you know somebody pushed the wrong button um, is certainly appropriate, but I think you know really the rejection is not based upon the reviewer comments per se or even your ability to respond to them. It's really based upon the priority for publication. So there are going to be many times when the authors could address all the reviewer comments, but the ultimate decision in, in when the reviewer said here's the priority for publication, they didn't indicate a high enough priority that that would be appropriate. And for those papers, we strongly encourage authors to submit to Open Heart, our sister open access journal, because that they are papers that you know we think are worthy and should be published. But we can only publish you know seven papers in each issue of Heart, so it's a limited number, and many papers that are very meritorious will need to be published in other journals. And let's uh, let's say. Your uh, fantastic paper has finally been accepted at heart. 
What's the next steps we know about kind of copy editing and things, and how does that how does that work in practice? So Hart has the the production team is actually really fantastic, I think, and things move very quickly. So once the paper has been accepted, it goes to the production team, and they come back with a PDF proof of the paper within a few weeks, and that then goes to authors via an online system that you know when they first started had a few glitches, but now where it works pretty smoothly. Um, that's how I get all my my um, summary articles every two weeks as well, and you basically open the paper and go through and just edit easily in a web browser, make any changes you need to, and then send it back. And then it becomes online first in the final PDF format um, as it will look in the journal within a few weeks of, of acceptance. And really the rate-limiting step at that point is the author returning the proofs. Um, and how do you actually put together a copy or an issue of the journal, Catherine? How do you decide which papers should be included and which education in heart or articles and review articles from the uh, from the 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 should we say the the list of papers on your uh, on your desk yeah so the um you know so the papers that are online first you know go online first and they're there in a in a big pool of of papers kind of a list of papers as you say and then we put them into a print issue which is also an online issue you know every 2 weeks so, you know, part of it's based just upon timing. We don't want papers to sit online first too long. And part of it's based on trying to put together an issue that makes sense in terms of either consistency or variety. I mean, sometimes we have, you know, so many papers on a topic that it's kind of interesting to put them all in an issue together and have it be a focus issue. Um, you know, if you have a, uh, if you have a 20 papers on atrial fibrillation that have been accepted, probably want to have an issue or two on atrial fibrillation, uh, you know, similar for, you know, aortic stenosis. Or, or many other topics. So sometimes it's a focus, sometimes it's just a variety. Um, and it's it's done actually by the production team usually who sends it to me, and then I look at it and, and make any changes I need to. But and, and we'll try to sometimes, if we can, you'll put review articles that match original research so things are linked. Um, editorials, of course, are linked to papers, and then those go into the same issue as the paper. And then you write your summary, as you say, for every should we call them print issue that comes out? You you uh, summarize what people can expect to find in the journal. Is that a pleasure to write, or uh, how do you how do you find that process? How do you deal with that process every couple of weeks? Well, the more you do it, the faster you get. So, you know, every two weeks I get the running order of what's going to be in the issue, and then I have to, within just a few days, turn in the uh, summary for the front of the uh, the uh, journal. And what I like to do is, so each issue we pick one article to be editor's choice, and that article is not only highlighted on the cover, but it becomes free to uh, access to everyone permanently. So everybody gets a no-charge, free access in one, in one of the seven in each issue. So I pick that one, which usually has an accompanying editorial, and I try to highlight that in, in the heartbeat for that issue. And then I usually pick another couple papers to be highlighted on the cover and discuss those, as well as the education in heart, perhaps the cardiology in focus paper or the or the image challenge and put together a you know a couple pages. So it's a pleasure in that it's you know it's just fantastic to see the interesting papers that are published in Heart now and all the interesting research and kind of put it together and think about it. Uh, you know as as someone whose background is both imaging and valve disease, you know, I'm learning a lot of cardiology as I put these together because of course Heart publishes papers from across the whole spectrum of topics in cardiology 
Brilliant. Well, I think we will leave it there, Catherine. I want to thank you very much for your time and joining me in person here in Manchester. And please, everybody, feel free to subscribe to The Heart Podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts and leave us a favorable review if that's the way you feel. Thank you very much. Thank you.